0: This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU.
1: Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Fons DeFalco here in the studio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, Fonz. Another summer episode oh, featuring yeah. both of us. Mm-hmm. Quick reminder, you can listen to our live show tonight on liuwave.org from 8 to 10 p.m. You could subscribe to us, follow us on our podcasting app, anchor.fm slash review and preview. That will take you directly to our show and our previous episodes and what's to come. Want to call in? Call in 516 2030 Take part in our live show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And Fonz forgot to do this last week. Hate to see football players uh, passing away from yep. heat stroke. Shout-out to Mitch Petris, former Super Bowl champion of the Giants. He played for New England a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. 32 years old, uh, out of Arkansas. He was only in the NFL for about five, six years, but yeah. he was a solid piece.
2: Yeah, definitely thoughts and prayers uh, to the family there.
1: All right, Fonz. So, big week of baseball for the Mets. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a long one as well. We left <laughs> yeah. off – Friday night
0: mm-hmm.
1: coming off a 16-inning loss to yeah. the San Francisco Giants on Thursday night. Remember, that was a four-game series that lasted throughout the whole weekend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They lost this game 3-2 to two in 16 innings. Bumgarner went a full nine, a full slate. Yeah, Ends up getting a no decision. Yeah. Incredible. The Mets end up losing 3-2 to two in 16 innings. Syndergaard went seven. Mm-hmm. And if you notice I'm wearing a Noah Syndergaard jersey tonight here in the studio. This might be the last time they get to do that. Yeah. With him <laughs> as a New Yorker Met, so I yeah. figured why not take advantage of it. You're rocking a uh, former Buffalo Bill there, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I'm going with Fred Jackson jerseys. I have a an odd collection of football NBA jerseys, so I figured why not rock this one today.
1: Recently retired Fred yes. Jackson.
2: Yes, legend up in Buffalo. A couple
1: of years now, yeah. yeah. I remember him. He used to play with Marshawn Lynch up there. Oh, yeah. I think he was one of the best. He might have been their best backup ever, and he started for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As well. So I know he was a backup first, then he started. and Yeah, he's, fan around favorite for a while. over there, too. <laughs> but after, back to the Mets here, that 16-inning game, Pete, Pistol Pete, the polar bear, whatever you like to call him, hits the home run in the top of the 16th. But then shortly thereafter, Donovan Solano hits the game-winning RBI mm-hmm. in the 16th inning. Noah Syngard had a good outing, seven innings pitched, eight strikeouts in this game. And this kind of defined the momentum for this series. A very low-scoring series, with the exception of Saturday, the Mets combined. They they didn't score over three runs in a game, with Mm -hmm. the exception of Saturday. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. They scored two runs on Thursday and Sunday, and they got shut out Friday night. Yeah. Not good funds.
2: Yeah, no, definitely not good. I mean, you go all the way to 10 innings, too, and then only one score, low scoring game.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Friday night, a guy that we saw, I believe he pinched hit on Thursday night and started the game Friday night, Tyler Bede from the San Francisco Giants. Mm -hmm. The Mets. In this series, they just they could not score runs. The common trend was they could not get their starter, the opposing team's starter, out of the game. Mm-hmm. Tyler Bede went eight innings, just three hits, no runs. Yeah, And Sam Dyson comes in, and the Giants were finally able to score themselves in the 10th inning. But again, another wasted Jacob DeGrom start. This has yeah. been the storyline for the past two years. He's gone deep into games, but
2: excellent performance. Take it wins. And then the
1: end, yeah, the team lets him down. Why do you think that is? Do you think the Mets' offense is just porous because we saw Saturday they put up eleven? For it, it,
2: it's they're very streaky. I feel like uh, you know, there's some games where they look like a really good baseball team, and then there's moments like this where it's like, what is this team like? What are they? What's the identity here? So maybe the identity is that they go uh, a little uh, up and down, like a roller coaster, really. That's fair enough. Yeah.
1: Jacob Bream takes the loss. Remember he was unavailable Thursday night serving a one-game suspension. Yep. Mets only had 3 hits in this game. Terrible. Yeah. And the game ended on a Dom Smith fielding error, a routine fly ball the man should have caught.
2: Yeah, you you would you would think that, but uh what team would uh let you down with an error like that? The New York
1: Mets. Yeah. very true. <laughs> <laughs> Heading into Saturday, Pete Alonso gets a day off. An off day for Pete. Yeah. Do you think this was because of Potential, just exhaustion from the home run derby and the All Star game.
2: Oh, that could be it. I mean, he did uh, most players in the All Star weekend get get a rest, but not for Pete. So maybe they just wanted to rest him up for a game, just to refine everything and then get back out there. So, well, one game rest. It's not. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nothing really to worry about.
1: Yeah. Eleven of four. Walker Lockett, starting for Zach Wheeler, who was placed on the injured list. Lockett wasn't bad. Yeah, not impressive. A solid five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One run, five hits. Mets get the win. Mets hit four dingers in this game. Pete Alonzo, a pinch hit three-run home run. You think he was mad he didn't start? Oh, yeah. Well, that,
2: that definitely <laughs> motivation for him.
1: Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith trying to redeem himself. Made up for it, I guess. Dom Smith had four RBIs in this game. Mm-hmm. And then Todd Frazier who everybody wants to get rid of at the end of the season, but quite frankly, Jed Lowry's turned out to be a great piece to this Mets team, hasn't yeah, it? Right? he? Yeah, right. He hasn't yeah. played a single game.
0: Yeah,
2: I think Frazier's definitely – that's motivation for him that you guys don't want me here. I'll show you why you should keep me around.
1: I think you should keep Frazier because even if he doesn't start next year, you keep him as a backup. He's a quality backup.
2: man yeah, he's been around – For the, any team. been around the league for a while now, so, I mean, right. nice veteran presence and a – I guess you can say more of a young Mets team here. Very so like, true. Yeah. I would like to keep Frazier around a little longer.
1: I would like to as well. Have his have his T shirt. Love watching him. And Dom Smith, another bat off the bench you love to have. He just he can't play in the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> if you start him, you throw him. Honestly, Pete Alonzo has Dom Smith's best position, first base. Yeah. That's his best position, Dom Smith. That's what he yeah. is.
2: Yeah, that's perfect that's a perfect spot for him. But you know, Pete Alonzo, I mean, can do both he fields and he hits, too. I mean, but I think Dom Smith is now showing more that he can just
1: be, like, an off-the-bench uh, hitter coming in, pinch-hitting for situations. Here's my take with Dom Smith, and you might disagree with this. He has potential Daniel Murphy effect. Remember the beginning of Daniel Murphy's career? He was above average with the bat. He was good. Yeah. But they played him in the outfield, and he didn't belong there. Yeah. You're trying to find a position for Dom Smith, and clearly it's first base because he's a lefty. No. It's either first base or right field. Yeah. He can't play left.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it could his arm be. isn't strong. Yeah,
1: I can see where you're going
2: with that. Uh, how old? I, mean, I don't even know how old Don Smith is off the top of my head. He's, 24. Yeah, he he's a young. 24. Yeah, he's a young guy. So maybe uh, keep him around. Definitely. I mean, because he yeah. clearly can perform off the bench. Maybe throw him around in the outfield and see where see if it works.
1: Very true. The Mets beat up Notre Dame product Jeff Samarja, who. Somewhat like Pat Connaughton, who also graduated from Notre Dame, now plays in the NBA, Mm -hmm. starting receiver for the Notre Dame football team, Mm -hmm. goes the baseball route, starting pitcher. Uh, He's been average at best. Mets beat him up four runs, six hits, and five innings pitched. He did have seven Ks, but he took the loss in this game. And Alex Dickerson, Mike Yastrzemski, each hit a home run, the son of, of course, we know, Father Yastrzemski, who played in the MLB for a long time. Again, Alonzo, 33rd home run of the season off Holland, Derek Holland in the bullpen, who took the loss. Pete Alonzo also set the Mets rookie RBI record in the process of ending San Francisco's seven-game winning streak.
2: Just amazing what he's done. Incredible. (laughs) Really. A little little bit of hope that uh, us Mets fans have is uh, Pete Alonzo right now. We've been saying this for, what, since I started up here a few weeks back. It's just the same story every time.
1: Game four, the third game that goes into extra innings this series. They lose three to two in 12 innings. Connor Menez started this game, his first MLB start ever. He did give up a couple of home runs to Conforto and Rosario, but he wasn't bad in five innings two runs, just three hits. He did have six strikeouts and two walks. Trevor Gott ended up getting the win. We remember that name from last week. Yeah. His inherited run. Sixth lowest inherited run percentage in the NFL. Yeah, as Keith Hernandez said, <laughs> Stephen Matt started for the Mets. He was a pretty good, quality start, two runs, six hits, and six innings. But Giselleman blew it in the bullpen, the weak point for the Mets this season. It's either been the hitting or the bullpen. That's yeah. what it's been, or the starters at times too. But yeah. I mean,
2: it's one. It's one of at this it's point.
1: It's one or the other. I think it's been more the bullpen than the starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, allowed the game-winning walk-off home run too. Yastrzemski. Mike Yastrzemski. So, there you have it. The Mets leave the bay, losing three out of four. This translates into the San Diego series against the Padres. Mets win the first game 5-2. to two. Vargas was great.
2: He had a no-hitter really, into the fifth inning. Fons. He looked really good. He looked really good. I mean, if, I'm not sure if the Mets even want to consider trading him, but it definitely boosts his value. I think after that performance,
1: does he come back next year? Now that's the question.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, it depends on what direction. Do they want to still compete or do they want to go younger in the pitching
1: rotation? Anthony K.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Vargas definitely can, definitely boosts his trade value for yeah. the Mets.
1: So six scoreless innings for Vargas. He got the win. Diaz gets the save. But the real storyline of this game Robinson Cano, 36 year old second baseman, hits three home runs and five RBIs, all five. To give the Mets a five to two win. Yeah, that was. Uh, we talked about this too. Uh, did
2: Cano need this uh, All Star break to, uh, you know, just to
1: redeem himself or just to freshen up? And so far, it's been working for him. He's woken up. Yeah. Two home runs, the entire month of July, heading into this game. Mm-hmm. Two of his three home runs. On Tuesday night. Went into the second deck. So, pretty angry, I'd say. Yeah. He's the oldest second baseman in league history with a three-home run game.
2: Hmm, look at that.
1: Not to mention, two of his three home runs were off of Chris Paddock, mm-hmm. a guy who does not like Pete Alonzo. Yeah. He views him as competition. Yes. National League Rookie of the Year. Paddock got sent down. He comes back, and he says, you know, Pete, he probably did deserve it. Do I wish it was me? Yeah, but Alonzo deserved it. Chris Paddock, not making a good case for himself. Yeah. Three runs, five hits, and five innings pitched. Gives up two home runs and four strikeouts.
0: Yeah.
1: Not a good outing. Tatis Jr., two hits. Yeah. Manny Machado walked twice and two at-bats. Yeah. What's your take on this game while I pick up this phone here?
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll go back with, you know, the Vargas going in with six scoreless innings pitched. That was perfect for him. I mean, again, like I'll say this. Do you want to keep Vargas around? Not sure, but I definitely, you know, I definitely would say that this definitely boosts his trade value if they want to go in a younger direction. And then, as far as the Chris Paddock, uh, Pete Alonzo situation, as far as leading for the Rookie of the Year, I mean, clearly it is Pete Alonzo. So, uh, Tom, as I was coming, I was talking about the Paddock, uh, Pete Alonzo debate. I mean, I think it is safe to say Pete Alonzo is going to be winning Rookie of the Year in that. Uh, the National League, excuse me, but then I went back of talking about Vargas because I'm not sure if you do want to keep him around. Or just will they trade him with Syndergaard at right. the deadline? So that's what I was talking about while you're picking up the phone.
1: All right, we're going to try this here. We're not sure if it's going to work. I think Caller, please state your name and where you are from.
2: It's Jason from Playview. Tom, what's up?
1: Okay, it is not working. So, oh, no. Fonz, while I troubleshoot this here, we'll talk about Game 2 in this series where the Mets lose 7-2. to two.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, talk about that. So the Mets lose 7-2. to two. Matt Stram gets a W. And Hedges Renfro with two RBIs each. Cindergaard, seven innings pitched, eight hits allowed with eight strikeouts. Not too bad, but he takes the L here. And Pete Alonzo, Pistol Pete, walked twice in this game. So that was the, uh, the little recap of Game 2. I mean, you hate to see... The loss here, and then we'll just jump to a, well, you want to jump, jump to game three then while we're doing that. Uh, Mets win four nothing, so that's good. Jumps you get one loss there, and you get a win there. DeGrom finally gets his win, seven innings pitched with nine strikeouts for sure. And your guy Todd Frazier with two RBIs. <laughs> so, I, I you know, from game two, you're going losing seven to two, and then you're winning
1: four nothing exactly. Just, you just go up and down here, all right. We do have a caller at this time, caller. Please state your name and where you are from. What's up, Tom? First time, long time. It's Jason from Playview. How you doing? Jason, I'm doing good. How about you?
0: Good. I was doing good up until I heard this clownery talk about bringing Jason Vargas back. I don't know what that's all about. Why do you think that they should bring him back? I mean, yeah, he's had a couple of good starts, but that whole stint with the media and Tim Healy, I don't want that around my clubhouse.
1: You bring up a fantastic point, Jason. You really do. It's a two-year deal, a two-year band-aid deal. I think we were more speculating. Right I don't. Now. <laughs> right now, you have to. I mean, would you consider it?
0: No, no. He's at his peak right now. You're never going to get more for him right now That's the what you're going to get for him right now, I should say, because. Right now he's at his peak. He's peaking right now in his, in his late 30s. You're not going to get more for him. He's a toxic, he's a toxic guy to have around the, the clubhouse. Just sell him now. Get, like, a late-round draft pick for him. Get something for him instead of just letting him walk.
1: Well, don't get me wrong. If you trade him, you got to. Because this is probably the highest value you'll get for him at 36 years old. Exactly. But And I don't want to bring him back next year. I mean, we'll see what the Mets do with Syndergaard and Wheeler. I would rather trade Vargas than the two of them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, would you agree
2: with that, Fonz? No, Fons? I, no I, I agree. I think Vargas would probably be the first one, but also depends on what can you get for Syndergaard and Wheeler. It just depends right. on what you get in all three of those options right there. They, they
0: need to get rid of Vargas. They need to
1: get rid of Wheeler. because Wheeler's qualifying offer next year, something. it's like $18 million. That's insane. I don't want to pay this guy $18 million a year. It's too much money a for Wheeler. a...
0: 500-pitcher. Exactly. I don't want,
1: around paying $18 million a year. That's completely worthless. Right. Now, my question to you is this. If Syndergaard doesn't get traded, do you want him back? Because I'm getting tired of seeing these five-inning outings where he's getting nine strikeouts and he's leaving with 100 pitches after five innings. I know the last couple of starts have been better, but... Five walks and seven innings? They have inings. control. They
0: have control over Syngard for the next year and a half, so that's not a concern. They have to bring him back if they don't trade him. Right. But next year, I think they can get a very good return on Syngard. They have control of him for next year.
1: Fair. Very fair point. Uh,
0: if they're get rid of though, they would have to give him to either the Padres or, as much as I hate to say the Yankees, because the Yankees can give back what they need most. They can give outfield hope and they can give you a prospect. Or both two and one, if you take like a Clint Frazier or someone from the Yankees, or if you go to the Padres and you look at, hey, they got some studs in double A, or they have a Fran and Reyes in an outfielder who's a complete stud out
1: there in the outfield. I like his point, Fonz. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I good really point. do. Yeah. Uh Jason, anybody else you could possibly see the Mets dealing besides Vargas and Wheeler? Fraser. I think
0: that they can package and get a decent draft pick or even a decent prospect if they're packing those two together. Especially, you know, they have a bunch of spots open in the infield. They can move Dom Smith around if they're, they're not going to be contenders. We can agree on that.
1: Yeah. It's going
0: take a lot for them to be a contender. They can put Dom Smith at third base, see what happens. Put Dom Smith at second. Move him around. A lefty? Him, get him that utility
1: spot. My only question is Dom Smith is a lefty. That would be kind of awkward for me. I mean... Oh, I, I understand that, doesn't want ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Though, I would like to debate the Todd Frazier thing here quick. <laughs> so, Todd Frazier, yes, he is not the ideal bat that you want. He'll hit you occasional home runs, an excellent locker room guy. Um, your argument with getting rid of Vargas, but you're also getting rid of Todd. Are you afraid like that, I mean, that could possibly... Hurt the locker room a little bit. Like you, you, need veterans on your team to come in. And what's up? Asking
0: out The Grom is the Grom is probably one of the best presidents to have in your locker room. I mean, that guy gets no run support on a daily basis and still does not throw chairs across the room.
1: I still think you need somebody else though. Sometimes, if they bring some like another veteran in on like a one or a two year deal, or because my concern, Jason, and I don't know. Let me know if you agree with this. Jed Lowry has not played a single game this season. So if they don't trade Frazier, who, who I think. Is that? Who is that? Yeah, yeah exactly. I see exactly. the same thing. Do you bring Do you, Frazier I mean, back on like a one or two years as a backup and try no, to develop McNeil be. at third?
0: I mean, if you need another infielder that badly, then maybe, maybe you bring Frazier back. But if you're talking about veterans, take a look at the Mets' AAA for didn't they bring in, like, five,
1: six veterans this offseason? Anthony K. Well, I'm sorry. We're talking third baseman here. Yeah. No. Anthony Kay's is not going to be ready. I, I, he's not going to be ready this season. No, I'm not saying he's not going to be ready this season, but he's somebody that could potentially fill that void for Vargas in a year or two down the line. You know, he could be, like, a four or, sure or five the line, starter. At yeah. uh, that point, there's already going to be a void left by Vargas. I yeah. Hey, look. Anything can happen, Jason. You have anything else you'd like to uh, rant to us about here? <laughs> as an angry Mets fan, uh, how do you feel about the Mets trading with the Yankees, Tom? That's all, like, on a, on a don't like level, it on a, on a on a personal level. I don't like it. Uh, send the guard across town. I mean, <sighs> Jason. Like as Mets fans, you have a lot of friends that are Yankee fans. I'm sure. And yeah. I just I don't know if I'd be able to put up with it. I also don't think it's good because I feel like for the Yankees it would be more of a rental where his contract is up. I mean, yeah, like they're loaded with money they can afford him, but I don't know if he fits in necessarily their long term, especially with what Germán has done this year with Severino and Tanaka still on the younger side of their careers. Yeah,
0: Severino, how we- Really have the game all year, and look at the Yankees' the rotation right now. They're they're giving up 12, twelve runs on twelve hits
1: in the first four innings of the game against the, against the Red Sox. I think he just didn't have it. He he just he just didn't I have it. They, his last start, Tanaka. The Yankees
0: are one of the best teams in baseball right now. They would be even better if they had an established ace, and I think that they would
1: give up a lot to get an established ace back. That was a fair argument, but I'd rather. I think they would rather. Take somebody like Lynn Minor, or even a Robbie Ray potentially because Robbie Ray has been fantastic this season or a Marcus Stroman, a yeah. young guy who could develop into a, a quality ace, has the potential to. Do you, really,
0: do you really think that a man like Robbie Ray is going to survive in the Yankee Stadium?
1: I mean, Hap has. But <laughs> barely. But, hey, you never know.
0: I mean, what happens if the Yankees – Somehow
1: fall out of first place. Then They're in second place. They play in a wild card game. Who starts? You send out Tanaka, and then he gives up twelve runs on twelve hits in the first four innings. So you send out. Send Rino's probably not, You got to be ready by then. You send out either. You Send out half. Who's been inconsistent. Paxton getting lit up tonight. Uh, you you might send out Domingo Germán. Germán's been inconsistent. Germán just had a terrible start the other day against the Red Sox. Oh, to be fair, I don't think. I think you're risking it with Syndergaard as well. Um, but, Jason, any, any final thoughts here? Because we do have to let you go in a minute.
0: This has a great talk, Tom, but I think that a trade with the Yankees might be the way to go because I think we can swing two prospects and maybe an established outfield. Maybe we can get a Clint Frazier and maybe even a Glaber Torres in the mix.
1: I would love that, actually. I mean, Clint, we'll, we'll see with his antics. But, I mean, yeah, Glaber's, that would be fantastic. I mean, we'll see what happens. The trade deadline is rapidly approaching. Got to make decisions by the end of this weekend. Monday is it. Jason, thank you very much for calling in. All right, I'm going to go finish my meatloaf. Good night, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Enjoy the meatloaf. That was Jason Glickman from Bethpage, New York. Let's finish up the Mets here on this segment. Fonds, yep. we're talking about Game 2 and Game 3. Yep. The guard was iffy. The Grom was good yes another scoreless outing nine strikeouts the Mets finally get him a win four nothing and a guy who Jason was saying the Mets should trade Frazier two RBIs and two walks you would like to see more of that out of him yeah if he stays absolutely and then Eric Lauer was not good four runs and six hits and two and a third Machado did have three hits in this game but other than other than that no offense for the Mets uh, tonight, the Mets open up a home slate against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are currently up 4-1. to And
2: then the, Frazier just hit a home run, too,
1: Yeah, I believe. in the so. bottom of the fifth against the Pirates. So, you know, it's definitely been great to see so far what the Mets have been able to do tonight mm-hmm. against this Pirates team. A
2: winnable series, I feel like, against yeah. the Pittsburgh Pirates.
1: Pittsburgh did go up one nothing in this game. Mm-hmm. A uh, RBI single by Colin Moran, and then Jeff McNeil hit a three-run bomb. With Rosario and Wheeler on base, who is starting. And then Frazier hit a solo shot for his 14th dinger of the season. Jeff McNeil, best hitter in baseball, 342. He continues yeah. to rake. Yeah. He is fantastic. And Wheeler, five innings, one run, three hits, seven strikeouts. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, very good.
1: We'll see what happens there. Game two tomorrow Trevor Williams against Stephen Metz, Chris Archer against Vargas on Sunday. Other Mets news. They did trade Wilmer Font last week to Toronto. Thank goodness. The Mets are looking to deal Syndergaard, as we just discussed. Yes. The Mets would probably be eyeing the top two prospects of a team if they were to deal Thor, though.
2: Yeah, when you get, he's like your, one of your star pitchers, obviously you want to get something in return. I yeah. think that's realistically what they should get for Syndergaard if they, say, trade him.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and then, of course, Pete Alonso... 33 home runs heading into this weekend series, tied with Mike Trout.
2: That's that's some uh, good company to join.
1: <laughs> the only two people above them are Cody and Christian. Gell- 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 Great uh, company. And Gell- <laughs> 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 All right, fun. So on that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the New York Yankees and who they might possibly be targeting by the end of this weekend. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Soon, Fonz. Very soon. Very soon. I did that because you had the Fred Jackson jersey on. (laughs) Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco here in the studio. Reminder: you, can listen to our show tonight on The Wave. That's the new sound of LIU. Subscribe to our podcast on the Anchor, or you could call in, just like our good friend Jason did. So let's get to those Yankees. They... Played the Colorado Rockies this weekend. They took two out of three mm-hmm. in that series. Yankees won that game 8-2. Happ went five innings. Not a bad start. Mm-hmm. He got the win. Had eight strikeouts in that game. Tarpley got the save. Um, and then Judge and Edwin Encarnacion, the Parrot, yeah. they go deep each. And Encarnacion had four RBIs in this game.
2: You saying it again. He's Encarnacion. Nuts. The trade acquisition of the season, probably so far, really. Yeah, unless something big happens at the deadline.
1: The Yankees got their bat. Now they just need their arm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, we'll see.
2: They're they're set, really.
1: Yeah. Well, Tanaka got roughed up last night, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Kyle Freeland back. uh, He was a potential CY Young candidate last year. He got sent down earlier this season. He's been struggling. uh, You know his two two and six or two and eight records, something like that. He just went four innings, five runs, six hits, not great. He lost Ryan McMahon, a young gun for the Rockies in that infield, that stacked infield with Murphy, Arenado, and Trevor Story. He's that fourth guy. He hit a home run in this game. Mm -hmm. Game two, Yankees beat up the Rockies again. They win 11-5. to Tanaka was on the mound. Encarnacion, another three RBIs, so seven ribbies in two games for Encarnacion. Sentenzella was on the mound. He was not good. He got roughed up. Just lasted an inning and a third. Nolan Arenado, the Rockies star player, a home run and three RBIs in this game. Game three, however, they were able to get to James Paxton and salvage game three of the series out in the Bronx. They were pretty good. Uh, The Yankees lost 8-4. Herman Marquez was on the mound. Seven seven strong innings. Charlie Blackman had a home run and four hits in this game. He's been on a tear since yeah, the All-Star break.
2: Very, very true.
1: He's been good. Paxton just lasted three and a third. As Jason just alluded to on our phone call, the Yankees really do need an arm because yeah. this is a serious matter. Yeah, and These pitchers are getting roughed up left and right.
2: Yeah, and now getting right into playoff baseball. You, you really yeah. need to have an extra arm in the bullpen or in the rotation.
1: What's saving the Yankees is that they continue to hit. DJ LeMayhu, Aaron Hicks, and Mike Talkman all hit home runs in yeah. this game. Last week, Aaron Boone was suspended one game and fined when he had an outburst mm-hmm. uh, when he said his players were savages. <laughs> Quote unquote savages. Yeah.
2: That was a soundbite for uh for the entire Twitter world.
1: Very true. Yeah. yeah. That led into uh, the Minnesota series. Yankees had three-game series against them. They lost 8-6 to six in Game 1. Martin Perez was on the mound. Did not look good. Lewis Thorpe. Uh, the Twins won, actually. Yeah. Uh, Perez did not look good. And then Thorpe got the win out of the bullpen. The Twins hit five home runs in this game. They've hit 199 home runs this season at a record-setting pace, fons.
2: It's just been their uh, review of the the series. Yeah, no, very, the Twins are just one of those teams that you
1: did not know in the beginning of
2: the year. Will they be this good? And all of a sudden now, now to, another like Tom said, 190-plus home runs. I mean, they probably will break the 200 mark.
1: Uh, the Twins hit five home runs in this game. Garver had two, Polanco, Cruz, and Kepler. CC was on the mound. Twins keep hitting at a record-setting pace. At this time, we do have a caller. Caller, please state your name. And where you are from? Hank from Westchester. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good, Hank. Now, what is your question for us here tonight on the show?
3: What is, What was your take about the Yankees the last within this the last few days? Like, let's talk, say, both uh, the Minnesota game and the game yesterday, which was a very ugly one. I might add.
1: Well, I'm going to be honest, Hank. The Minnesota game was the luck of a draw. That was the best game played in baseball all year, offensively wise. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, this is, Hank. You got a company in your house there? <laughs> review and oh, no, preview watch a, I'm party. Oh, you are outside in your backyard. Well, we hear actually, a lot actually. of screaming out in Westchester there.
3: Actually, J.K., that's not my backyard. That's a softball game. But I always figured I'd take time to call in.
1: So you were at a softball game instead of sitting behind your screen watching the Yankees, probably for good reason right now, as they're losing 7 <laughs> nothing.
3: Yeah, no, that's just hit a third home run. Not too happy right now.
1: <laughs> so, Hank, to answer your question there, this was the, the game of the year. There was 26 runs scored. There was over 30 hits. 14-12 to 12 game. I know you were up watching it. I was up watching it. It just wasn't good, though. I mean, Chapman, nobody could throw strikes. Ottavino, Chapman, the whole bullpen. Zach Britton was all... I mean, their bullpen, which is one of their strengths, was a problem in this game. And you could clearly see the pitching, which has been bad all week, need I remind you. It's translated into this weekend series.
3: Oh, you're not kidding. I would have to agree with you about the best game of the uh, all year, offense-wise. I think, I think games like this, honestly, despite what people say, are good for, game, for baseball. People like seeing the home runs, and you know, it wasn't. A, it was really not over until it was over. Twice, Aaron Hicks saved the Yankees. First in the top of the ninth with that two-out, two-run home run, and then. He made that incredible catch. He knew exactly where that ball was played. He's been a target field before. So remember, he was on the twins in 2015.
1: Yeah, and it's only appropriate that Hicks would be the one to do this. Hicks <laughs> hits the game winning home run. Hank, you got people honking out there in Westchester. Oh my gosh. It's a party over there. It's a party where you are in Chappaqua, correct?
3: Yeah, you would be correct. It is, it is <laughs> the little town of
1: Chappaqua, New York. Chappaqua. All right. Close enough. But let's talk about this game where Didi erupted for seven RBIs. I mean, what are your overall thoughts on that and the impact he's made since coming off the IL or the DL, as you would say?
3: Yeah, DL, IL, SOS, same old stuff. Anyways, Didi, I'm not surprised. Didi has had a knack for coming through with a lot of clutch hits, and of all if anyone was going to get seven RBIs, Didi is definitely one that you you would expect that from.
1: Right. Didi, I mean. His power is showing, too. His patience with the bat. I mean, he's nearly an impossible out right now.
3: Yeah, and that's what you need. That's what you need, considering you never know what you're going to get from the pitching staff. So, having guys like Didi and LeMay, you getting big hits, and hits, I might add. Because we're talking about the Minnesota series. That helps a
1: lot. Hank, Fonz and I actually have a question for you. Who do you think oh. the Yankees go out and get at the trade deadline, and what is their biggest need?
3: I think, well, obviously pitching. I would say I should hope that they're going to go after Marcus Stroman. I legitimately think that that's a perfect fit. I think he is the guy that can handle the bright lights of New York, and he's the guy that has electric stuff. And I would also think not just him, but maybe – Getting a Robbie Ray from the Arizona Diamondbacks—I mean, he's a free agent, so he's probably not going to cost a lot of money. Getting those two would instantly make the Yankees' rotation much better.
1: Dom said but, the same thing last week. Our, our caller oh, yeah, Dominic yeah, no, Daniele. Right.
3: Oh yeah, he's right. He and I have talked about this a lot past week. But, anyways, to continue as to what I'm saying, I also—I I think I probably told you this earlier today. I also would not be opposed to them getting some maybe more bullpen depth.
1: Right. No, I mean that's something they could definitely use because a lot of their pitchers just can't find the strike zone lately. I mean, it's concerning. I mean, Hank, 19-3? to 3? That's awful. There's something wrong with that score. What, what is wrong with your team?
3: I just think they don't have enough pitching depth as I'd like. And that is a very big concern because if you want to look at the Fisher. This right. team should definitely be going to the
1: playoffs. Oh, yeah, of course. So definitely. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind they should
3: at least make it to the NLCS. With the, or ALCS, sorry. Right. With the current
1: team that they have.
3: Mm-hmm. My issue is, is once you get to the ALCS and you're dealing with teams like, say, Houston or Minnesota. Because they're probably, let's assume that they get there, they play one of these teams. True. I don't know if that pitching yeah. staff is stable enough to face them. And even if you do get past one of those teams, you still got to worry about the Dodgers.
1: Possibly. That is very true. Fine. do you have any uh, questions for Hank here?
2: No, I, uh, I don't have any questions for him. We, think, we pretty he's, much yeah, he's covered it. Yeah. knows his Yankees, and he knows what uh, the team needs, and I agree with him on that.
1: Well, Hank, thank you very much for calling in. Any final hey, thoughts? I'm saying it. All
3: I'm going to say, Brian Cashman, if you're listening to this, which I know you probably are not, but any, I'm going to give you this message anyways. Pick up the phone. Give the Blue Jays a the back or whoever a call. Make an inquiry about your pitching. Do what you have to do. That's all i
1: got to say. Thank you very much, Hank, and enjoy the shenanigans in the background.
0: <laughs> oh, will do. Have a good
1: one, guys. All right. Thank you very much, Hank. That was Hank and Dichter from Westchester, New York. <laughs> Sounds like a great guy. Yeah. Sounds like a made-up name as well. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, Hank. Thank you very much for calling in about the Yankees. You've called in on the show f- for a while now and always good analysis. The game, too, just want to recap this again quick. Mm-hmm. It was a blown save by Chapman. The bullpen was a concern, but we do agree that the starting pitching is the issue. Mm-hmm. But I think the the reason why people are not seeing the starting pitching as that much of an issue, like your average fan, is because of how good the offense actually is. And you're able to win a game when you're giving up, like, 8 to 10 runs. Mm-hmm. That's I think what's misguiding some fans right now, where they don't exactly see it. You get my point there a little bit? No, no, I get it. Definitely. Um, again, game three, Hap not good as you were saying earlier. Yanks obliterated yesterday, nineteen to three. Porcello was good on the mound. Tanaka was not good on the mound. Yeah. Twelve runs, twelve hits in three in the third. I mean, you're down seven nothing in the first. I don't know why you just don't take him out there. Yeah. You have Chad Green who's a good, long-relief pitcher that, you know, you like to use. Yankees bring up, uh, since Sanchez did land on the IL this week with an injury, the Yankees did call up Kyle Higashoka, their third-string catcher, who came up last year when Sanchez did miss some time. Uh, He was good in this game. He hit his first home run of the season. But, again, Boston just too much firepower Xavier Bogarts, two home runs. Yeah. Sander Bogarts, he's been fantastic. So, But tonight, on the mound, for the Yankees, James Paxton against Andrew Kashner, and they're losing 7 0 in Boston, in Fenway. Not a good start. The, the Red Sox did acquire Andrew Kashner a couple weeks back. He's made, this is his third start with Boston, and his first two have not been good. Mm-hmm. He has not been good, but we'll see so far. He's looking pretty good tonight he's given up no runs, four hits through 5 innings. Tomorrow CC Sabathia against Rodriguez, Rodriguez who's 12 and 3 this season and then Domingo Germán against Chris Sale. Yeah. On Sunday. That should be a good one. Chris Sale, a 5 and 9 record, mm-hmm. but his ERA is dropping and he's amongst the league leaders in strikeouts again. Yeah. Pretty interesting to see how that'll turn out, but for now We're going to step aside for a quick break. We'll see if the Yankees can recover from the 7-0 deficit or at least chip into that lead a little bit. You're listening to Review and Preview here on LIU. Behold the king, the
3: king of kings.
1: Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco here in the studio. Two segments down, 45 minutes just about into our show. We're going to get some MLB news. The trade deadline is heating up. Yep. Who's selling? Who's spying? The Dodgers currently sit with the best record at 67-37, and 37, and they are potentially rumored to have strong interest in Mets pitcher who I'm wearing tonight, Noah Sindergaard.
2: That would be a big boost to their already very impressive pitching rotation and that will no doubt help them and maybe if that does happen, the Mets could probably get some of the Dodgers' top prospects in in return.
1: That that would be nice. The Dodgers took one of uh, our top players a few years ago in uh, Justin Turner. Oh, that's right. Never forget that. Uh, Other than the Dodgers, the American League, it's highlighted by the Yankees, as we talked about. But the Minnesota Twins were another team that's been on the rise this yeah. year. Their stock has climbed. A lot of people have predicted this, but I don't think people predicted them to be this good.
2: Yeah, this quickly, too.
1: This pretty much confirms that the Cleveland Indians window was closing, yeah. which is why another pitcher, as in Trevor Bauer, is rumored to be possibly on the move as well, which is really, really insane for fans. This Cleveland Indians team is 18 games over 500. Yeah, they're just two games back of the Twins. Yeah, and he's been rumored to be on the move. I mean, I don't know how serious that talk is, but
2: maybe they're just uh, fielding offers to see what they can get. Maybe not really, unless there's some where it's like they know they're like, oh, this is going to be right. good a good return for us. We'll take it. But maybe it's just some noise right now.
1: Well, right now, Cleveland's penciled in as the top wild card team, mm-hmm. where they will play either Tampa Bay or Boston. So. We'll see if they hold that spot or if they overtake the Minnesota Twins Division League lead. 199 home runs through 102 games this season. A team that played against the Yankees this week and had five home runs in one game against them. Yeah. The Yankees record that they set last year was 267. The Twins are 68 home runs away from accomplishing that feat. Pretty fantastic. Still plenty of time left to to break it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, speaking of hitting and home runs, last week we actually forgot to mention that Steven Strasburg, pitcher for the Washington Nationals, now 13 and 4 on the season. Mm-hmm. He's been healthy finally. Three hits, one home run, and five RBIs in his start last week. He became the first pitcher with three plus hits, five plus RBIs in a game since 2007. It's 12 years ago
2: pitchers can hit two if
1: they, if they need to <laughs> especially in the national league oh you, yeah you do it every start mm-hmm. so very interesting fact and an- another starter who was struggling earlier on the season of the Houston Astros Garrett Cole 11 and five era just slightly over three he's in line to be a top candidate for the ALCY young yeah. with his teammate Justin verlander who I think is the lead dog for that yeah. position right now yeah He's been great. He started the All-Star game. So that's something I've thought about. Also, uh, this week, speaking of hitting, the Nationals have been one of the hottest teams in baseball. Trey Turner completes his second cycle, the 26th player to do that. Fantastic. Uh, This is a Washington Nationals team a lot of people had written off. Yeah,
2: because since Bryce Harper left, they thought uh, they don't really have an identity now. They're just in full rebuild mode.
1: Their record stands. Better than the Phillies. They're a game better than the Phillies right now. Okay? Hey? Yeah. Nationals will make the playoffs if the season ended today. It would be them and St. Louis as the two wild card spots. And then all of a sudden, the Mets, who were in fourth place, they hold on to this lead tonight against Pittsburgh. They've won seven out of their last ten. They'd still be seven games under five hundred. Yeah. But... <laughs> You never know. If the Nationals did it, why can't the Mets, you know? It's a little uh, discussion for a later date. In the MLB, big transaction. Yankees injured player Troy Tolowitzky retires after 13 seasons in the major leagues. Majority of them spent with the Colorado Rockies. This guy was a five-time All-Star. Great career.
2: No, very good career. Like you said five-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove Award, and two-time Silver Slugger. Known more first time with the Rockies. Did spend a few seasons with the Blue Jays, and I believe took a year off and then came back in 2019 for the Yankees, uh, looking to be like provide nice depth for them in the batting order. And then you know there's injuries caught up with him, and I just wish him a happy retirement. Now.
1: He was the promise of the perfect baseball player. That's mm. what. Uh, the Ringer reported about him again. Thirty-four years old, kid from Santa Clara, California. Good build, six-three. But you're making twenty million a year to not to be heard all the all the time. Yeah. there comes a point in time where you got to make a decision. Uh, I remember the year Toluwitzki had thirty home runs and 105 RBIs in 2011. That yeah. was a good year. He was an All-Star that year. The Rockies were a team. I think Toluwitzki had one World Series appearance. I think the Rockies made it one year. Yeah. Uh, he's been there. I think they had at least two, actually. The Rockies, it was weird. A couple of times they'd be a wild-card team and they'd get in. Remember yeah. that? There was a couple mm-hmm. of years they did do that. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Other news, Mike Trout, hottest player in the league in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Ever since the death of Tyler Skagg, something yeah. just went off in his mind and in his bat. He's got 33 home runs now. Is he a Hall of Famer already at 27? You know, I, I saw this on the sheet, and
2: I just wanted to double-check and look at everything, the stats. And, I mean, if he ended his career right now, eight-time All-Star. So an All-Star every year he's been in the majors. Two-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, six-time Silver Slugger. I mean, made the Angels relevant. I would say if if he ended his career right now, I would say Definitely.
1: Thirteen hundred hits. Yeah,
2: and then even yeah, you know, three uh three oh six batting average. Very he's got impressive. over three
1: hundred home runs. Yeah. At twenty seven.
2: I definitely yeah, and if he ended it right now, I'd say yes, but I mean I who
0: knows
1: I'd say so. Sorry, just had a little arm motion there. Now, yeah, I, I think he's been one of the best players of our generation for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the MLB trade deadline we saw Andrew Castor dealt and Carnacion was dealt about a month ago. Uh, we talked about where Marcus Stroman might possibly end up. Will he go to the Yankees? We spoke about Robbie Ray. Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, a couple of older pitchers, might be on the move as well. Mike Miner and Lance Lynn both uh, lurking around the double-digit win mark. I'm pretty yeah. sure Lance Lynn is 12-6, and six, and Mike Miner for the Texas Rangers – just 31 years old, so yeah. he's a little bit younger. He mm-hmm. might have more value for the Yankees. I think so. He, I just remember because he used to pitch for the Braves. He used to tear up the Mets. Mm-hmm. So uh, a pretty good ERA lifetime. Former Kansas City Royal as well. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of success throughout his career. And then you look at Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn was a Yankee last year. I mean, the Yankees traded for him last year yeah. at the deadline. He's only 32. Uh, again, north of 30, but these are two pitchers the Yankees could use. Yeah, that Anybody could use. The Dodgers, Cleveland, especially Cleveland without Carrasco, Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe could spearhead them towards a playoff berth. We'll yeah, see.
0: no,
2: definitely. I mean, there's a, another guy that we talked about too off arrows. thinking maybe Zach Granke too, the Diamondbacks. If, they, if they no one can get Robbie Ray, then Granke could be another option. Diamondbacks could move. A veteran pitcher, 30, 35 years old. Very true. So that could be someone that – a team that has all the tools, but have all the pieces, but they need that one extra person in the rotation. Throw him in there. I mean, he's has shown his career that he can play in the playoffs or even just – he's a great pitcher. So I think he'd be a good option mm-hmm. to keep an eye on also.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. That's an excellent point you bring up there. Um, and we'll see if Tyler Boyd goes anywhere, uh, Zach Wheeler, Senligard, Shane Green – Trevor Bauer. Big list of names.
2: A lot of pitchers on the move.
1: There is a lot of pitchers on the move. But first, Fawns, it is time to go over our MLB Player of the Week. This is any MLB player Mm -hmm. that you think has stuck out to you throughout the course of this past week and what they've been able to accomplish.
2: Well, I'm going to go with the Houston Astros player, and the Astros have been really good this past week. Jose Altuve, the second baseman. Uh, five games played, twenty at bats, and ten hits. Five hundred uh, hitter this week. Not bad at all. Three home runs, five RBIs, and and brought four runs in. I like it. So yeah, perfect. I think he did really well this year, and the Astros have been doing really well this year. Well, we knew that already that they're a good
1: team, but it just shows here that Altuve is still a great player. That's an excellent pick. Uh, for me, I mean, it's. A toss-up between the guy we had on our social media post earlier today, D.D. Uh, Gregorius yeah. and Nelson Cruz. But I'm going to stay true and go with D.D. Gr- Gregorius. He's also on my fantasy team. Yeah. D.D. Gregorius has a four seventy eight average in his last seven games, 11 hits, 11 RBIs. That's tied most in the MLB. Therefore, he is my MLB player of the week. But Nelson Cruz is an honorable mention. He does have seven home runs mm-hmm. in his last seven games. But Didi is my MLB player of the week. Yeah, Good.
2: Good pick. Good pick. That would be my second option if uh, if you went first and picked Altuve.
1: <laughs> and I think he's really uplifted the Yankees in a year that they don't have Miguel and Duhar. Ellsbury hasn't played a game in a while. The yeah. Yankees are a very deep team, so they could afford all these injuries. As were the Mets, not really they so much. They can't afford all these injuries. Uh, this just in... A trade has actually just happened. Oh, look at that. As of 4.55 p.m., the Cubs acquired a left-hander in Holland, Derek Holland, from the San Francisco Giants. Okay. So in exchange, the Giants get cash considerations, and they also recalled outfielder Ian Happ from AAA to clear room on the roster. Okay. So holland will go to chicago the mets kind of had a field day against Derek holland last week in san francisco so he is on the move he was a quality spot starter last year he's been in and out of their lineup so we'll see what happens there so that will do it for mlb news when we come back we will have our team of the week and preview some of the big mlb games that are being played tonight you are listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Little Scott Steiner coming up. Yeah, I was about break. to ask. I like that. I like that. A little Scott Steiner. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco here in the studio. 8.56, so we are just approaching the top of the hour. It is now time for our team of the week. And of course, this goes across all sports. Yep. So any team that you would like as your team of the week.
2: Well, I did kind of spoil it before with the player of the week, but I'm going to go with the Houston Astros. They swept the Texas Rangers, and they've got two out of three out of the Oakland A's. So uh, five and one this week. Not bad, not bad. And the only and their one loss, four to three in extra innings to the Oakland Athletics. I like it. So overall, good week for the Houston Astros. Led by Jose
1: Altuve. For me, I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Five-game winning streak. They are now eight games above five hundred. They are currently tied for first place with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. And the Cardinals are a team this season that has found their groove. At the right time. Around the trade deadline, that's the time you like to see guys. DeJong, Paul DeJong, had a three-home run game this week. There's trade rumors about them aiming for Giants' Tony Watson. Uh, Cardinals also have Paul Goldschmidt, huge home run hitter. Yeah. Former Arizona Diamondback, Marcel Ozuna former Miami Marlins. We know those former Miami Marlins.
2: Yeah, they once they leave Miami, they become all-stars.
1: The longest tenured Cardinal, Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt for a while, but he's, of course, part of that core. Harrison Bader, uh, Matt Carpenter, who's hurt as well. You know, they have veterans on this team to make a run, so I would look out if I'm that National League or National League Central, mm-hmm. to say the least. That's my team of the week.
2: Yeah. And, uh, just to interrupt sorry about this but the Twins just reached the 200 mark
1: in home runs nice yeah I just got the notification from the MLB app a fun fact yeah we have some of those we, here on Review and Preview we break
2: news here at Review and
1: Preview and the Yankees just cracked the scoring board Look they just that. scored their first run Luke Voigt an RBI single drove in Encarnacion. they trail Boston 7-1 in the top of the 6th and D moves to 3rd so, so we,
2: we keep up to date on everything even <laughs> though
1: we're on the air yes that is correct Technology is a wonderful thing.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Let's review and preview some of the MLB games that are happening tonight. Currently in progress, the Colorado Rockies lead the Cincinnati Reds 6-2. to The Colorado Rockies are a team that is now in last place in the National League West. This is the team a lot of people had as a wild card this yeah. year behind the Dodgers. I had them. I'll admit it. Right now, they're not looking good. But the National League is... A league that where everyone is super close mm-hmm. in record, where there's not really one team that sticks out to you. so maybe besides the Dodgers, yeah. <laughs> but the Marlins are really the only team that's out of it, if you think about it.
2: And that's kind of what we well at least the Marlins, we kind of expected that from the beginning, too yeah.
1: I got distracted there for a moment because Daniel Murphy just had another home run. You know, he now has 11 since coming off the IL. Dahl, Dave Dahl, hit his 14th of the season. The Rockies continue to hit like they've been able to do. The problem is they're starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Kyle Freeland, their ace from last year, has not been what he was. Termon Marquez has really been their only consistent start. Remember, you had that win against the Yankees last weekend. Yes. So, other big games going on. Of course, the Yankees trailing the Red Sox. The Dodgers against the Nationals in the bottom of the 7th. Enjun Ryu on the mound, carries his eleven and two record into this game against Anibal Sanchez. The Dodgers lead them one nothing, and Ryu's still on the mound in the seventh. Wow. Pitching a shutout. Keep it going. He's given up seven hits but no runs. So but the Nationals are threatening. They have two runners on mm-hmm. in this inning. The Dodgers only have three hits tonight. So yeah. Be interesting to see how that fares out. The Braves and Phillies finally realized they were playing tonight in the fifth <laughs> inning. It was one nothing <laughs> heading into that. Uh, Mike Soroka on the mound, ten and two all star this season, two point four six earned run average against Jake Arrieta, former ace. Uh, he still is, but he's trying to kick back into his groove. He was signed late. Braves lead this game five to one. Are the Phillies beginning to decline this season a little bit? Not like as a franchise, but this season right now.
2: Um. I would think so. I mean, you—the expectations for the Phillies, I think—and you can agree with me on this one. They signed Bryce Harper. Yeah. It was kind of like, all right, they're going to win the division, or if anything, compete with the Braves. For sure. They were going to be a one of the top teams, and now you know Harper struggles, and the, over, the overall team is uh, struggling. And I would have to say, a l- just a little bit, maybe. You know, I think when you sign a free agent, yeah, you want him to play right away, right away, and be great, but. Maybe
1: after a full season under his belt, maybe Harper will lead the Phillies back into playoff contention. That's an interesting take. Facebook Live, what do you think? If you have any thoughts on this, we know a lot of New Yorkers are watching this show and we know You can uh, yell at me the, all you want. <laughs> the hate for Philly. <laughs> Comment in our feeds and we'll try to get back to you. So the Chicago Cubs are at the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. Kyle Hendricks against Gio Gonzalez. That game is underway as well in the bottom of the third inning, scoreless. And then Houston against St. Louis. Hercuti is on the mound against Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. So, again, the Astros are coming into town to play against the Cardinals, a team that's on a five-game winning streak. This is arguably the most consistent team in the American League, mm-hmm. the Houston Astros, if you ask me. And... It should be interesting to see how the Cardinals um, absorb that Astros' high-powered offense. Right now, they're in the bottom of the third, no score, just one hit for each team. So the two starters are holding their own. And remember, National League team, the Cardinals are home. So Houston, the pitcher has the bat. There's no DH in this series. Yeah. So when you're playing by National League rules, advantage National League. Absolutely. Texas Rangers are at the Oakland Athletics. Lance Lynn, who we just mentioned earlier, possible trade target. He's on the mound carrying his 12-6 and 6 record against Mengden. 5-1, and one, 4.65 ERA that game. We'll have first pitch at 10.07 p.m. I never understood why they used that time. Daniel <laughs> Mengden will be on the mound for the A's. Guy's a killer mustache. If you if you look online, he has the ideal mustache. Hmm. It's kind of like one of those twirly.
2: Would you say Hall of Fame mustache? (laughs) That's the question. Borderline, borderline. Hmm. Go check it out quick. Let let me know what you think. Let me look this up here, and I gotta. (laughs) I'll, I'll give my thoughts if it's a Hall of Fame mustache.
1: San Francisco is at San Diego, so the two previous teams to go off against the Mets. First pitch for that game will be at 10-10. Samarja on the mound. Jeff Samarja, 7-8 and eight on the season against Lucchesi for the Padres.
2: And to answer your question, uh,
1: yes, I think it's a
2: Hall of Fame mustache. So. I just looked it up. Ooh. It's incredible. Wow, yeah, that mean, is awesome.
1: I was surprised, too. But Like the twirl at the end of it? I like this. Mustache talk. <laughs> the Oakland A's currently in second in their division behind the Astros, trying to fight for a wild-card spot. Samarja against Joey Lucchesi. Now, this is where it gets interesting. We're going to switch gears back to the National League for a minute. Hinjin Ryu, a guy who kind of just came out of nowhere this season. He pitched well last year. He's currently in the National League CY Young race with Max Scherzer. Steven Strasburg, and Jacob DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Despite Jacob DeGrom's 6-7 and record, it has the same effect as last year. Yeah. It's, he's it's in the like mix. It feels like we're
2: in a time machine because we were talking about this last year. Again, with Jacob DeGrom. he's in the
1: mix again. Who, who out of these four? I mean, you look at record, you'd say it's Ryu against Scherzer. Uh, not Scherzer, sorry, Strasburg. Mm-hmm. But Scherzer's been fantastic since a rough start. You remember opening day, the Mets crushed him. Yeah, so
2: I would probably—I mean, I would give it to Ryu right now, uh, with leading the NL in the ERA, one point seven six. I, I would—I would give it to Ryu, but I mean, it is a tight race between all these guys. Anybody, for sure. anybody could—you can make a case for everybody.
1: Even Degrom, again.
2: Even Degrom, but the one thing would be,
1: oh, his record and his ERA is not as good as it was. Let right now, it's around three, Damn. but he'll—he'll he'll get it under three yeah. by his next start. He's kind of back to the unhittable phase, mm-hmm. to the point where nobody can hit against this man. Crazy, but true. I don't know. That's just my take on the Grom. I think he's a guy that the Mets need to have long term. Yeah, he's the ace. Jason Glickman brought it up before earlier when he called in. He is that locker room guy as well. Yeah, I he's mean... the guy that the younger pitchers look up to. He's been there for a while now. People forget. He is 30 years old now. Yeah, I I know he started late. He only started when he was 26. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that, Fonz? you think he has the ability to carry this young team? I I mean, I
2: think so. He's shown it so far. I mean, compared to the other pitchers they've had, he's always been the more consistent one. You you can't really blame him for what the outfield has done, letting up uh, certain hits. So I would say... Yeah, he he definitely is more than capable of leading this team and being a guy that the young
1: pitchers that they sign or bring up or draft or whatever can look up to. Very true. Now, you know, my thing is this. On the American League, we saw in the National League how two teammates are competing against each other for the C.Y. Young. Scherzer, mm-hmm. Strasburg, and the AL, you have two Houston Astros pitchers. Their one-two punch, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, mm-hmm. each have 13 wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just fantastic. And then you throw Charlie Morton in there, who's twelve and three.
2: Yeah, that. that I think the AL is more of a more of a tighter race than the NL because the NL looks a little bit more open. But the oh, AL, yeah. I think you said it, Verlander might be the lock to win the Cy Young. That that's who I think. You can make a case for Charlie Morton or
1: Garrett Cole, like you
2: said. But I really think it's a smaller race between the AL as opposed to the
1: NL. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. It's just one of those things where. These guys have been around for a long time. Uh Verlander, former C.Y. Young winner. Garrett Cole, good young pitcher. Morton, 35 years old. He's been around, been there, done that. I don't think he's ever won a C.Y. Young. I mean, Morton used to pitch for the Houston Astros. It was not long ago that Charlie Morton was a part of that squad. Yeah, 11 years in the MLB. 35 years old now. Local guy out of Jersey.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Charlie Morton. Correct.
1: <laughs> I remember him from his Pittsburgh days as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, first year with Tampa Bay, back to back All Star. I think what really got him going was winning the World Series with Houston in 2017. He made his first two All Star appearances. At the ages of thirty-four and thirty-five, yeah. and that's an interesting take. You think about that, you're like, "Whoa!" Out of nowhere, this guy, all his career, he was an average pitcher. You like look at get his a, career he'll record, get it
2: done, but he wasn't like the guy that you would say, "All right, he's going to give me the win. i will just be a consistent player." Right? Yeah. But it, it's the rare case in sports where. A late bloomer, really, with like the All-Stars and being candidates for all these awards. You don't
1: really he see that. He is a that. late bloomer. I've you, noticed that because you look at his career record, it's not very good. It's 87 and 84 with yeah. a career ERA over over four.
2: Yeah. some When you look at All-Sports, you would think, all right, what can they do in the first three to four years? And then you know that you have the fate of their career, what they're going to be. And Charlie Moore's one of those people where it didn't count for him. It's more of like what he's done the last four years, really, yes. as opposed to what he did in the first part of his career. It's crazy. So huh? I think yeah, that winning that ring with uh, the Astros definitely revived his career and gave him a lot of motivation. That
1: hey, I can do it again, or I can still be a top pitcher at 35 years oh, old. 100 percent agree with you. Um, but yeah, it, it is very interesting. If I had a pick right now, likewise, I would go Ryu,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for the American League, I would go Justin Verlander. Yeah, I mean he's on my fantasy team. Yeah, maybe
2: a little biased there, but I, a I think I mean I think I kind of agree with you on on both those picks. But, but it R- will be a good PRA.
1: Yeah, it will be a good race between both leagues. And now we're the last thing on baseball tonight. The score of the Boston Yankees game is now nine to one with the Red Sox on top. Andrew Kashner, pitching one run ball into the seventh inning. But the big story here for the Boston Red Sox is Mookie Betts is four for four, with three home runs and five RBIs and four at bats. He has a chance to hit for four home runs tonight, and his fourth hit. That was an RBI double, did not miss by much.
2: One of the best players in the game right now. And <laughs> he helped he's making these Red Sox a threat every time he's on the field or every time he's in the batter's box.
1: And Fonz, I hate to bring this up again. The Yankees starting pitching is atrocious. Yeah. I'm gonna read this off to you. James Paxton, four innings pitched, seven runs, nine hits. Four home runs. His ERA is up to four seven two. It's just the story of the uh, it's not the Mets, it's the Yankees.
2: <laughs> <You're laughs> the stuck in my head. I'm used to it, but yeah, that's been the the story with the Yankees pitching. That's yeah. the one thing they're always. Yeah, they'll have a couple of moments where they're looking great, but sometimes the pitchers, more often than not, like what you're seeing now, you're not sure what, like what is going on with them.
1: Very true. And the Mets are up 6-3 to three on Pittsburgh in the top of the eighth inning. Perfect. Pete Alonso hit his 34th home run of the season. No shocker there. Wilson Ramos hit his 10th. So if you like offense, you know that's a guy we forgot to bring up. Yeah. I know we're meaning to go to break here in about a couple minutes from now, but Wilson Ramos has been in trade talks as well. Yeah. Believe it or not, first-year catcher who the Mets signed.
2: I yeah, mean. and he's been, been good for them.
1: He has been good, I think. Uh, he flies under the, the radar. He hasn't been great. Yeah. But he has not been bad at all. He's hitting 261. He has 10 home runs, 45 RBIs. Mm. So, for a catcher, you love that.
2: Oh yeah, no no doubt. Now the, really being in trade talks, I didn't even I did not even I didn't even heard of, haven't heard of that, excuse me. I've been so distracted by the uh the pitchers that are being t- in the trade talks. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do you want to trade him? I'm not.
1: No. I don't, I don't. think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I see him as part of the future of the team. That's Yeah, him and Pete Alonzo. Jeff McNeil. Ahmed Rosario. Conforto.
2: Yeah. Dom Smith off the bench if you want to keep him around. See what he does.
1: Yeah. We will for sure see what happens there. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, the gears will shift towards NBA free agency and we will talk a little bit about Zion's new shoe deal. <laughs> You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU.
0: Oh. Ring, do you hear me calling?
1: Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco here in the studio. Fons, you've gotten pretty comfortable You've been here all summer.
2: Yeah, I'm enjoying it, and thank you, Tom, and everybody else at the review and preview staff for letting me into your your crew and coming in and giving my thoughts and opinions
1: on uh, what's going on in all the world of sports. Warming really up excited. to u- warming up to us a little bit as well. Our oh show, yeah, no, Columbia. I'm really enjoying it. Can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Now we get to your forte: mm-hmm. NBA basketball. Yeah. Free agency, trades, everything we've talked about it all in all season that has featured blockbuster moves Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Tobias Harris getting the max, Ben Simmons getting extended to the max, Klay Thompson. And then out of nowhere, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both go to the Clippers. Yeah, and then we got the notification at like 1:30 in the morning. Very yeah. <laughs> And when you, people wake up, they go, wait, what's going on in the NBA? Kawhi doesn't care because he don't have social media. That's the uh, thing, Every too. other individual in the world does. Yeah. I mean, you saw the way he was being introduced at the press conference the other day?
2: Yeah. No, I, I, he, <laughs> he didn't have. To, he didn't write a whole big paragraph for Toronto for thanking him because he said he doesn't have social media. you got to give him credit for, in this day and age, not having any social
1: media pages. Yeah. That's a good point. So. What does Oklahoma City get? The team that traded with the Clippers, mm-hmm. they get Shai Gilgeous-Alexander. Not bad.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'll just say this: I think Shai Alexander is a really good player. Came out of Kentucky, Kentucky was guy. was very good for the Clippers. Made all rookie second team. Yes. Uh, started, came off the bench, like was a spot starter here and there, but I really think he's going to be an excellent player, and he landed in a great spot with Oklahoma City, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But I thought, oh, maybe he'll probably back up Russ Russell Westbrook and learn off him or play the two-guard. Now with Russell gone, I think he'll probably be the starting point guard unless they move on to Chris Paul, and we'll get into that
1: even more. Well, that's the next question because now you wonder if Chris Paul gets moved. Or yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, he's not gonna; they're not going to compete, and I assume that Chris Paul wants to go for a title contending team. So the question is, do you move him now or do you – buy him out in the middle of the season so he signs with a team. It, it, I'm not sure what you do with uh, with Chris Paul at this point. He seems to be excited to join Oklahoma City on his social media post because I don't know if you know this, but when Hurricane Katrina happened, New Orleans couldn't play in their arena, so they had to move to Oklahoma City. So when he got drafted, right. they were technically the Oklahoma City Hornets. So he has a little bit of a soft spot for that city. So maybe he'll enjoy playing there. I'm not sure, but back to Shy Alexander, I think he has a good spot with the Thunder
1: now. He'll get a lot more minutes. He averaged double digits as a rookie last season.
2: Yeah. Points. Ten point. I think ten point two points.
1: The Thunder also got Danilo Gallinari a stretch three, four, a shooter.
2: Career high in points last year. Close yes. to 20 a game, I believe. Uh, bounced around a lot. Uh, former Nick. Former Nugget. Eh, former Nugget. And then I think one team between that and the Clippers, I'm not sure. Not, I don't know, but I th- I think he'll probably end up staying. He's still young. Uh, I think he'll still stay with the Thunder, too.
1: Yeah, he's only 30.
2: Yeah, so I think, uh, not saying you build around him, but he'll be a nice piece, a nice veteran presence because he has been in the league around yeah. for a while. So
1: His th- track record, it's been, sorry, Fonz, I'm going to cut you off. It's no, been been Knicks, Nuggets, Clippers, now Thunder.
2: Oh, okay, so yeah. it was no team in between. But, yeah, no, I mean, those are the only two players that the Thunder got. Not bad pieces for them.
1: No. Only two players. Yeah. That's not all they got. Yeah, but they got more yeah, than the two players. They got the Clippers' first-round picks in 2022. That's three years from now. Mm-hmm. 2024, that's five years from now. 2026. That is seven years from now. We will be 30. Oh, why'd you say that? That hurt me a little <laughs> bit. No, I just remind, <laughs> this reminds me
2: quickly when LeBron got... Tr- well, he signed with the Heat. They did a sign-in trade. Right. And the sign-in trade, I don't remember what the pick was exactly. It was uh, goes to Miami, LeBron, and Cleveland Returned gets Miami's, like, at the time, 2019 or 2018 second-round pick or whatever. And at the, it happened in 2010, and we're like, that's a long time from now. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. And before you know it, it's going to be 2026, and you go, oh, I remember that, that pick.
1: Oh, wow, it came up sooner than I thought. Kind of like the Brooklyn trade.
2: That too, yeah.
1: There's still picks being swapped from that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, not really. Oh, ah, you gotta love the draft picks
2: added in trades. You know, always it always adds a little interest in the the NBA lottery too. Oh yeah. When like teams go, oh, if they get in this section, that means it goes to this because the the trade back in uh, 2014 or whatever.
1: Now, my thing with this trade, they get more picks too. Yes. Um. That was, there's still more actually. Yeah. For the Paul George part. Yeah. We're not even done with the Paul that's George part. That's what I was part. saying. Yeah. That's, pick swaps in 2023 and 2025.
2: It's not adding or picks. It's just, just swapping. Right. Which is, and
1: they get the Heat picks in 2021 and 2023. Because the uh, the Clippers own that from, I don't know, what, Moe Harkless. That was, is, oh, okay, so it was yeah. all
2: in the same one. Yeah. It's, so many picks being traded, you just lose track of where this pick originally ended. Went
1: from the Heat to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He went from Portland to Miami to LA. He's part of the Myers Leonard gymnastic. Yeah, so um, insane. Now we get to the Russell Westbrook part of the trade. Mm-hmm. Now Russell Westbrook got traded to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And what did the Thunder get in return for that? Well, first off, Russ, before we even get to the Thunder, Russ said I fit in here in Houston. His former teammate, James Harden. They played together for three years in the Thunder. When they were spring chickens,
2: yeah, seems so long ago when it was it does them seem and Durant. So
1: long ago. But Harden is still only like 28 years old, and Russell Westbrook is 30. Mm. I fit right in with Rockets. You haven't played a single game. How I, can
2: you say that? I think it's just confidence that he's back with his old buddy and James Harden. Sure. He knows that hey, we've played together before. Uh, let's now that we're older, been a lot more miles on our bodies. Let's see if we can get after it now.
1: This just in from Kanan Justiniano in our live feeds. By the way, he loves your Fred Jackson jersey. Thank you. And he uh, just quoted that Nasir Little from Portland just signed with Nike, mm. a former North Carolina Tar Heel. Yeah. That is Kanan's team. Kanan's called into the show before um, from Sullivan County, New York. Mm. So two hours up. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Appreciate the love for the jersey. <laughs> the Thunder in return for Russell Westbrook get Chris Paul, protected first round picks in 2024 and 2026.
2: We don't know the protection up to right. I think it's just right, right now protected. It's one
1: of those things where you probably down the line it's
2: yeah. It's always confusing with those when it goes to when it gets the protected.
1: I think there needs to be a little bit more clarification when it comes to these pick swaps and. Who's picking for which team? Because I'm sitting there watching the draft every year, and it just doesn't make sense anymore. It
2: used to be, it used to be way before, like in the past drafts, it was like they said, oh, like the Lakers are picking, but it's going to. I'm just naming examples here. It's going to Dallas, right? But in this past draft, it just seemed like, nope, it's just the Lakers. Not official yet. In past drafts, they already told you, yeah, it's going to happen eventually, but it's technically the Lakers. Pick. Yeah, I know. That's that's. they just changed it up this year, and I think a lot of people were confused. I think they're gonna go back to the old format where it's yeah, this team is the pick, but it's really this other team's pick.
1: The Thunder also get protected rights to swap picks in two thousand twenty one. A lot of words. <laughs> so, in total Oh gosh. It's a lot of picks. Seven picks just from the Paul George part of the trade. The Russell Westbrook trade. Mm-hmm. Four. It's a lot of picks. It's eleven picks plus the three players.
2: The Thunder knew they were no longer competing. Uh, Paul George, not, I don't know if he wanted out per se, but you know they weren't planning on it. Yeah, apparently. and with that happened, and now Westbrook, they're going to be like, you know what, Westbrook's a former MVP, still so at the top of his game. Let's we'll see what we can get out of him. Let's get a lot of picks.
1: I think they him. wanted Paul George paired with Chris Paul, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and Stephen Adams. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That would have not been to add that with, um, they wouldn't have gotten shy and Gallo. It's the only thing.
2: Yeah, but I think when they got shy, as their point guard right. potentially, they could have been like, all right, we'll we'll move Westbrook, get a lot of picks, and develop guys like Alexander. Now Steven Adams is the next guy you would think. Well, to be would honest, you keep him,
1: I'm not sure. The Thunder are kind of stacked at point guard, which mm-hmm. makes you think they might move Chris Paul because they have him, shy Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder yeah. still on this team. Yeah. So that's where it gets interesting. Now, my question to you, Fonz, is this. Is this the end of an era in Oklahoma City?
2: I would I would say, there, I would say yes, and I would say it's a complete rebuild from here. I mean, you, you give up two of your best players. Paul George was an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year candidate, finalist. Yeah. Westbrook is an MVP, multiple-time All-Star. You give up your two stars for a bunch of picks. I think it's clear that it is the end of an era, and it shows to the fans, hey, we're rebuilding, but we got a lot of picks, and... We're gonna see what we can do with these draft picks. Maybe we'll trade picks for more picks for earlier, for earlier year picks. That that. What might happen with the
1: Oklahoma City Thunder? And they did get Darius Baisley, Remember, yes, in this draft. Mm-hmm.
2: And then they, that's another guy that they'll probably want to develop too. Rookie out of well,
1: it was technically Utah's pick.
2: It went to Utah, then it went to Memphis, then it went to Oklahoma City. It was a a whole lot of no more confusion on draft night.
1: Yeah, that was the 23rd overall pick just to be clear Mm -hmm. but Darius Baisley you know a kid from Ohio uh, I'm sorry he is a kid from Boston
2: yes he was going to go to Syracuse yeah and then opted not to he's like I'll just play in the G League the NBA's minor league affiliate yeah opted not to do that instead and just decided to just train for a year and take a I think it was an internship a New Balance yeah during that year so we had like a a working job but also training for the nba
1: great i think that realistically the era is over yeah but you do have a solid young core if this team was in the east there would still be a relative conversation to have
2: oh you can you can make an argument that they could be a
1: low level yeah but it's the western conference yeah so let's get some nba news the Spurs hire legendary Tim Duncan as their assistant coach to join Pop and Becky Hammond. Love this move. I
2: do. I love it, too. I, you know what? I, I shouldn't be surprised. I, I, when I first saw him, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know Tim Duncan had interest in coaching. Uh, but I shouldn't because, you know, Pop probably convinced him enough to, hey, you're obviously you're a great player. You can teach these young guys a lot. I want to bring you on the staff. And, you know could he be a head coach one day maybe but i think learning under popovich that's a perfect way to get your career started
1: i would agree and apparently the spurs asked manu ginobili as well Hmm. look at that so maybe they'll bring tony parker next i don't know if that'll go anywhere but won't give up the game yeah that's what you do sometimes Greg Pop said, Yeah, it's only fitting after I served loyally for nineteen years as Tim's assistant that he returns the favor. <laughs> Incredible.
2: You gotta love you can always guarantee a great Popovich
1: quote. <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance this man can be viewed as the best coach of all time. Absolutely. You know, it's insane. Former Spur Pau Gasol gets a one year deal with the Portland Trailblazers after being signed late by the Milwaukee Bucks, they brought him in, and then he got hurt, so mm-hmm. he was unable to really make an impact. Pau Gasol signs with Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, clear back up to oh, yeah. Hassan Whiteside and Joseph Nurkic when mm-hmm. he comes back. Mm-hmm. I like the signing a lot for Portland. Yeah, really I think
2: do. I think you know we know Portland's a good team. I feel like they're always missing that veteran presence off the bench or even in the locker room, and he has championship experience, has two rings, and they play with multiple teams around the league. So I think this is a good move for Portland. He stays with a competitive team, and he will definitely help them out.
1: Six-time All-Star, Pau Gasol is, and he joins a Portland team that features excellent young—well, not young anymore— an excellent veteran backcourt in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, a veteran presence in Rodney Hood. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the starting lineup that is now rounded out by Zach Collins— and Hassan Whiteside, who is currently the fill-in void until Nurkic comes back. Yeah. You also brought in Kent Bazemore. Yeah. You drafted Nasir Little. Anarchy Simons developing in the summer league. He's very well, yeah. They brought in Anthony Tolliver as a vet as well. You add Pau Gasol to a front court that features Nurkic, Whiteside, and Zach Collins. Yeah.
2: Portland didn't do these big-name free agents. I mean, you can maybe the Hassan Whiteside one you can say, maybe. But they what they needed to do was to help out their bench and in the shooting department.
1: Role players, yeah. And I
2: think they did that perfectly.
1: Mario Hazonia. That too, former Nick, yeah. So I think they did a very good job with,
2: with addressing what they needed to get well, done. The
1: problem with Portland mm-hmm. was that they had no scoring outside Damon, CJ, and Nurk last it was. year. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. Those are their three, and nobody else could score. Yeah,
2: and you have guys like uh, Simon's coming back for a second year. Developed nicely in the summer league and i think he'll definitely
1: help lead that second unit yeah
2: running the offense
1: the, the milwaukee bucks have been very busy this week yeah we talked about portland and how they've made some moves but we transition to the east here they go out and they sign kyle korver mm-hmm. one-year deal well-respected player around <laughs> the league one of the top five shooters of all time. Yeah, Pretty no doubt. Easy. Kyle Korver is thirty-eight years old, six-seven build at a Creighton. Yeah. And Kyle Korver is just a one-time All-Star back in twenty fourteen with Atlanta.
2: Yeah, the, the that weird Atlanta team that had sixty wins. Yeah. And then dropped off the next year.
1: I don't know, he averaged 12 points a game, but he was still an All-Star. Yeah,
2: I remember, I think it was he replaced, because that East that year had a lot of replacements. And I think him and then T got, they replaced people. So yeah, it was one of those weird times that they needed extra players for the All-Star game.
1: Right. Yeah, now, I remember he started his career in Philly. He spent five years there. Then he spent five years with the Hawks. Um, but I think... He made pit stops to Utah and, and Chicago yep. in between. Yes. And, and then cl- he I think went to he, Cleveland. Yeah, he had a Cleveland for stint For two years. Mm-hmm. Then back to Utah. <laughs> well, two and a half years with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. to yeah. Utah. Now he signs with Milwaukee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kyle Korver joins a Milwaukee team that also signed Dragon Bender yeah. yesterday. Fourth overall pick. That Dragon Bender was,
2: yeah, and never really developed into the. It was kind of the case with the Suns. I mean, outside of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, they kind of never really hit the nail with the draft picks. I mean, Josh Jackson too will be another case. But Dragon Bender, I think, was a. He played out his whole contract, but never yeah. averaged more than five points a game. I think or something like he averaged really right. little points. Yeah. Him and uh, Alex Len, when they drafted both the well, probably a year apart, but. Yeah, there's one of the cases where the
1: Suns didn't really draft that well. The number four overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Remember, Evan Masters brought this up on the show last week that he signed with a team in Russia. Yeah, he signed with uh, uh, Moscow CSKA Moscow,
2: I believe. I don't want to... Yes. But then I, I guess I guess he opted out when he saw an NBA team was interested in him.
1: So a two-year vet minimum deal at 21 years old? If I'm the Bucks. Look, I'm looking to fill out my roster for training camp. I like these moves a lot. Mm -hmm. It creates competition. You have a... This is a Milwaukee Bucks team that is clearly the deepest team in the NBA. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Look at their starters. Eric Budsoe, Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brooke Lopez. There's your five. Now, let's list off the bench. George Hill, Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, yeah. Ersan Ilyasova, Robin Lopez. We didn't include Sterling Brown. We did not include Dragon Bender. Dante DiVincenzo? Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. DJ Wilson.
2: Yeah. Loaded. Greek Freak's brother. The, the Natus, I believe his name is. That?
1: That's 15 guys right there. Yeah. And they just waived Bonzi Colson this week,
2: the two way player they had
1: last year. Yeah. Oh. We forgot one person. John Lohr is on this team.
2: Oh, the <laughs> he's better 16 around. guys right now. Wow. There.
1: Yeah. It's
2: a lot. There's a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of guys. Yeah. And a lot of them can start <laughs> for multiple teams, but this is, a, this is a lot of depth. No, for which sure. Which is what you need when you
1: come playoff time. This just in the New York Mets just beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. Woo! Six to three. Zach Wheeler improves to seven and six. Perfect on the season, and the Mets are now forty-nine and fifty-five. Shout out Dave Eaton, tuning into the show. Tommy the Mac McNamara as well. We're going to get to the Knicks here now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we always cringe when we say the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: have
1: a question. Yes. I have a theory in place. Okay. I don't think Kevin Knox is very good right now.
2: Okay. All
1: right. I think he's awful. Okay. All right. Okay. Should the Knicks start Marcus Morris over him?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Now I can see, I can see your points with Kevin Knox, but I'm gonna have to disagree with. I don't think he's horrible right now. I think it's only one year, and he's still young. I think 20 now, 2021, 20, and like I said, you know, after three, four years, what the player will be. And he didn't develop until, like, Mitch Robinson, where he already has a bright future. But I think you need to give Kevin Knox more time. Maybe I think you should keep him in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. And I said this in the beginning with the Knicks. They didn't go after these high-name free agents after Durant. They signed all these veteran guys to come up off the bench and let the starting lineup be Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, even though I contradicted myself with all the veterans they signed, and Mitch Robinson. That's a nice young lineup you want to develop and have those guys like Taj Gibson right. and Wayne Hamilton and Alfred Payton and whoever else they signed off the bench. So I'm going to have to disagree. I think keep Knox in, and maybe this time next year if Knox isn't good, then you go replacement for him.
1: I thought Knox had really good flashes last year. Mm-hmm. My one thing is I don't know if his IQ is there.
2: Yeah. I think that comes when you play more in the NBA, too. Maybe. They I just—
1: for somebody who played in high school, I, I view this as a potential long-term issue because yeah. he was a one-and-done. Yeah, and that's, that's well, the I case know. with a lot of yeah. one-and-done players. I like Kevin Knox. I just I don't think, I don't know, difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. I just think he the reason why he averaged almost 13 points a game last year, he put up so many shots. Yeah, he shot he 30,
2: really 37%. That's not really what you want. No, in a high draft. Well, I don't loan
1: any NBA player really. No. Um, Knox started last year.
2: Yeah, fifty-seven games he started. He the will seven.
1: most likely start again this I, year. I
2: think they should. And then say he struggles more.
1: You have Marcus Morris. Yeah, I think he might start maybe at the four. Maybe I don't know.
2: Marcus Morris, you're saying, or yeah, potentially.
1: Or yeah. We'll see. But it's probably going to be Randall and. Mitchell Robinson. That's why
2: my like yeah the lineup I said I think
1: Knox, R.J. and
2: Dennis Smith Jr. Jr. That could be. I mean, I'm not saying they're winning a lot of games, but it'd be a nice development lineup and see what they my thing do. My think last
1: year is that everybody said this about Boston too. In a perfect world, the lineup would be Kyrie, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Horford. Mm-hmm. But Marcus Morris just edged his way in there. Yeah, and he, he and did. Hayward Marcus did Morris is a very good player. Yeah, he averaged 13 and six last year with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And a uh,
2: nice two-way player uh, I think he's a good player I mean could he start i think he could eventually start maybe some spot duty here and there and maybe he will I'll play Kevin
1: Knox in the preseason and training camp. We'll see Is it time for the next to move on from frank niquino that's a, that's a
2: that's crazy to think I mean, like I said with Kevin Knox, you wait after two years to see what he is Frank Nilaquito we gave him two years. He hasn't
1: improved at
2: all, and I thought after one year, I'm like, all right, give him a second year and see what he can do, and I think he got worse his second year.
1: He averaged aver- under six points a game. And
2: th- who did the Knicks pass up to get Neil Akita? Dennis Smith Jr., which, I mean, they got him back, so it's fine, and Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. You know, it's like you passed up on these guys, and you expected Frank to be... In the top in scoring in that class. Yes. And he might even be out of his out of the, well, not the NBA, but I'm saying out of the Knicks rotation completely. We're not even talking about him being a backup option. Talk about Alfred Payton being the backup here. Maybe unless I'm thinking missing another point off the top of my head, because Alonzo Trier could be the um, backup shooter. And moudier has gone too, which I, I think if they kept, uh, I think they should have kept Moudier and not signed Alfred. That was my opinion. I mean.
1: I think the best player available on the board was Dennis Smith Jr. at that time, not knowing what Donovan Mitchell. That's would yeah, be.
2: that's that's a little bit different. Yeah, I totally agree.
1: And then I mean, you did pass on Zach Collins, Malik Monk.
2: Mm-hmm. Malik Monk is a little is on the is he he's good for the Hornets. I mean, super
1: young. Yeah,
2: that, that's Still that's developing. that's the problem too. A lot of young players, but
1: Frank yeah, Nitalikina, out of Belgium. So, again, this guy did not play college basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. Only 20 years old. Maybe he does 21 b- on Sunday. Oh, okay. He shares my birthday. Well, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. And
1: Frank. And Frank. Oh, great NBA player to share my birthday with. Yeah,
2: but I'm looking at the stats. 5.9 points his rookie year dropped down to 5.7. Yeah. Again, not saying it's like oh, ideal, like, kinda, but yeah. it's it's yeah. one of those things. And then he played less games. He did. Partial because of injuries. He we went from 78 games his rookie year to 43. That's something that you really can't have with a guy. You mm-hmm. just put a high draft pick on and Fans really weren't a fan of the pick to begin with. Kind like, of booze. like the Christos Porzingis one. At least the Porzingis one had some good moments.
1: <laughs> now, let's go to the other side of town, mm-hmm. downtown to Brooklyn. Yes. The Brooklyn Nets. They reunite Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving. Yes. They brought in Kevin Durant. They brought in DeAndre Jordan and Garrett Temple, Torian Prince in the trade from Atlanta. Even without Durant playing this season, mm-hmm. this is a stacked team. Yeah. Because you still have Karis Levert and Joe Harris and Jared Allen and Radonis Koricks and Zanin Musa who tore it up in the summer league.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a pretty stacked team. And they signed Henry Ellenson, a former Nick. Yeah. So, the- I mean,. Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving did play together in Cleveland. Yeah. So to see the two of them in the starting lineup should be very interesting.
2: Yeah. And then you go in the backups, you have Spencer Dinwiddie, who's also been very good for the Nets, and a nice survived career there after bouncing around a little bit, in the former second-round pick. And then, yeah, but we talked about this before. Like, uh, Jared Allen, do you start him, or do you start DeAndre Jordan? DeAndre uh, Jordan, excuse me. And then there's another guy they signed, David Nwaba who bounced around a lot, but has been a, always known as like a tough two-way player. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be their backup option or role player. But I think that was also an underrated signing for the Nets, too.
1: Also, the Nets went out, and they got um, Wilson Chandler.
2: That's another veteran, yeah. Stretch four. Mm-hmm.
1: If we had to pick a starting five right now, who would it be?
2: I would probably, let's see, you probably... I'd go Ky- well, Kyrie, obviously, as the number one. Uh, well, you, you you scrap out uh, Kevin Durant for now, uh, for the time being. You put maybe Karras Levert at the two, Joe Harris at the two. One of the You can flip-flop. I would say maybe more Levert, I'm thinking. Uh, small forward. Let's see. You could do Wilson Chandler because he can also play the three for now. Uh, they also have Nicholas Claxton, their rookie they got, too. Second round, first overall pick, I believe, and or Torian Prince. Excuse me, I forgot it. I forgot him also. Uh, the power forward, you maybe might do Wilson Chandler, and the center spot. This is the, this is the one where I'm really concerned with the center spot. I don't know what you do because I, I DeAndre Jordan's great, but Jared Allen is also a good younger option. But for the sake of you spending a lot of money on him, you're gonna have to start Jordan. There's no way you can start them both at the same time. Not in today's NBA.
1: So. I'm going to disagree. Okay, Kyrie clear cut at the point guard. Yeah. There's no arguing that. Mm-hmm. He's the star of the team this year. Yeah, Lavert and Joe Harris start together because Joe Harris won the three point shootout this year. He's mm-hmm. more of a small forward because he's tall. Okay, all right, yeah, I, so could, I can I can see start that too. Together. I think Jared Allen will start at the five. Okay, my question is the four. Do you start Torian Prince or Radonis Curryx? Because Kurok's did start last year, yeah uh, and he was pretty good.
2: Then I would go. I would go with Kurok's for now. Uh, like you, you said, he did play. He's very been very oppressive when he did play, and even in the summer league. But that's interesting. You go with DeAndre Jordan off the bench after spending that much money on him.
1: Eight points as a rookie for Kurok's. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan. Well, yeah, that's hey,
2: the thing, though. I don't four years, forty million. Yeah,
1: maybe it's not as maybe in today's NBA, it's not as a uh, not as much. Maybe because I mean. Allen still kind of has that minutes restriction. Yeah. So.
2: It was very weird to see Jared Allen in the summer league, too, by the way, after playing. He started in a playoff series, and he's in his third year in the league. You never really see that with guys who are full-time I starters in the gotta summer. I got
1: to start Jared Allen, though, if you want to keep developing. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: unless it's kind of like a platoon situation. Maybe they wanted to do it, to
2: play him, to show he had trade value, just speculating, you know, yes. that could
1: also be an option, too. The last team we're going to talk about tonight before we step aside for a final break, the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, They drafted Zion, number one overall, after winning the draft lottery, and he gets a massive shoe deal from Jordan yeah. this week. Seven years, $75 million. <laughs> more <than> his rookie <laughs> contract. <laughs> Fun fact, he took less to sign with Jordan.
2: Hmm. What was the other who offered him I more? I think Nike and he turned I'm oh, Probably, title. well, yeah, after what happened with the Nike thing. I can see that probably every shoe deal was offering him everything. But Jordan, he joins a, a good a good roster in the Jordan brand, led by Russell Westbrook. And I'm I can't draw uh, a couple names off the top of my head. I don't remember. Aaron Gordon's up there too. Uh, you know he he can probably be like the star of the Jordan brand now. You know, Blake he, Griffin. Blake Griffin too. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, yes, he's the the star probably of the Jordan brand, but with Zion how much publicity he's getting? He could be the star of the Jordan brand right away. And when will the when will the Zion ones come out? That's the question.
1: <laughs> That's an interesting take. Jimmy Butler is on that as well.
2: Oh, it's okay, okay. And Chris Paul, uh, the veteran Chris Paul.
1: Now, how improved are the Pelicans though? Because they didn't just bring in Zion. They brought in. Duke South. <laughs> Duke South, yeah. Duke South with uh,
2: J.J. Redick, Brandon Ingram, Zion, Julio Okafor, and I believe Frank Jackson is his Frank name. Jackson, yeah. All played at Duke, but fun fact, none of them even played together. They all played at different times. <laughs> most
1: of them were one and dones, except yeah. for J.J. Redick.
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe if they all played more than one year, they probably would. come uh, yeah. Be together at one point or another. Uh, now, if you're asking if they improved, I mean, anytime you lose a top player, in Anthony Davis injuries or not, Davis is still a top player in the league. But I think they got a they got a lot back in return, like Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. Not saying they're gonna can they be the replacement of Anthony Davis, maybe not. But I think it's good that they got all these players and make still make them com- competitive. Derek they, Favors, Derek Favors, too, another veteran presence, uh, probably off the bench because of Zion starting at the four I, I think, think exactly?
1: favors will start at the five, five. Oh, okay yeah that's right mm-hmm. and they signed Nicolo Milley today okay um international player okay alright 12 year professional career in Europe and they
2: also have. They Italy. also drafted Nikhil Alexander Walker cousins with Shai Alexander with the Thunder yeah so they know mm-hmm. each other well and they uh, re-signed Darius Miller. they also drafted Jackson Hayes the freshman center from Texas. Yes, so I think eventually could start. I mean, he he has a, he's a raw prospect.
1: And they got Bertans from the Spurs.
2: Yeah. Obviously, obviously. So back with the, did they improve? I think they'll still be competitive. Not Eaton gonna lie. Etwan Moore has been around for a while on the Drew Pelicans. Drew Holiday. Yeah, there were talks of moving Drew Holiday. Darius Miller. Yeah,
1: Drew Holiday. I mean, I think he'll stay.
2: I, I would think so too. Him and him and uh, Lonzo, Lonzo, excuse me, be in the
1: backcourt. Him, uh, they'll Lonzo. still be
2: they'll still be competitive. I think
1: the Pelicans. Him, Lonzo, Zion, Favors, and then the three would probably Brandon be Ingram. Brandon Ingram. So you're bringing in Reddick off the bench.
2: Josh Hart comes off the
1: bench. They got not a bad lineup, not a bad roster. Will Redick come off the bench though? This is a guy that is coming off a career high in scoring.
2: He might have to.
1: I mean, if it maybe
2: depends on the situation.
1: If you and want, he just got invited to Team USA.
2: Well, that's another topic. That's another uh, topic we'll have for another day with yeah. Team USA. That people are dropping out like flies over there.
1: Pat Connaughton got invited to I the select saw, team. <laughs> I
2: saw that. I saw that. Yeah, no. That that's another question too. All these people are dropping out. I think all these people are dropping out because they can see that this the NBA is now more competitive than ever we've seen in recent years because mm-hmm. Golden State's no longer, you know. This The powerhouse competitive team, the Raptors, right. kind of lost their top guy. Exactly. So now all these guys, like Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, uh, just off the top of my head, they dropped out. And they probably think that it's more of a competitive advantage. They can now focus on their team, and they have a chance to maybe win a title this year.
1: Uh, Reddit coming off an 18-point-per-game season. Yeah. Maybe you bring Ingram off the bench. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would mm. – It's hard because – I really do think Drew Holiday might get moved now after thinking about it a little longer. Yeah, he might. Um not where would he go
2: is the the question here. I mean right. a lot of teams will want his services. Oh, mean, yeah, he's of a course. good two way guard. He can still score and He can go back to
1: Philly. They need a ball handler. Yeah,
2: and he can shoot. he can shoot too. You know, uh it would be a nice option for the Sixers off the bench. They're not really adept. they don't have depth on the team.
1: Right. On that note, we're gonna step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back we will close out the show with some NFL preview. You're listening to Review Preview here on liuwave.org. Good evening and welcome to the jungle. Here on Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco for the last ten minutes of the show. Let's get some NFL talk. Yep. Of course we know Mark Sanchez retired this week following a ten year NFL career. Yeah. He will join ESPN as a college football analyst. Forever remembered for the butt fumble. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if that never happened, it would have been known as the Jets quarterback that took him to two AFC championships. But unfortunately, that's not how it worked, and now he's just forever known as the butt fumble.
1: Yeah. It's another USC quarterback project that the NACO has planned. Still just 32 years of age. Mm-hmm. Not a big guy. Um, yeah, He was around the NFL. He played for the Jets, then he went to the Eagles. Yes. Then he went to the Broncos. Then he went to the Cowboys, the Bears, yes, and then last year with the Redskins. Yeah,
2: he played that one stint with the Redskins for a game, and then Josh Johnson came in.
1: Mark Sanchez threw for just about over 15,000 passing yards in his career. Mm-hmm. He now joins ESPN as a college football analyst. I think that's a good spot for him. He thrived yeah. in college.
2: Known more in, think he was great at USC. Yeah. Obviously knows the game. Smart guy, so I, that's perfect for him.
1: Yeah. Other transactions: Lance Kendricks signs with the New England Patriots, a tight end. Former Ram joins Ben Watson and Matt LaCosse in the post Gronk era. Benjamin Watson, a guy who was there, left, came back. He's old, yeah, much older than Gronk, and he's still playing. He's yeah, playing and
2: strong. Watson, forget suspended the first four games of the season, I believe. Yeah. And uh, so I would probably maybe Kendricks or LaCosse will start. Uh, it's just weird seeing it no Gronk. And this is uh this is the one question mark here is who will replace him. And now you probably have to hope Kendrick does for the first four games until Watson comes back.
1: Former Super Bowl champion. Ben, ben Watson. I Yeah,
2: he've won uh his rookie year, I believe. Or so he won early with the Patriots.
1: 39. Yeah. I want to say That's how long. That's how long he's been around for. Super Bowl was in Jacksonville when wow. they played the Eagles back in 2004. How crazy is that? So, Eli around. Manning's rookie year. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. Still around. Correct. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Thoughts on the Giants? I've moved on. They've moved on, and he loves his new quarterback Baker Mayfield.
2: Yeah. Uh you know he's been he's been in the news lately for a lot of the comments he's made with that, and then uh, saying that he's the reason why Giants were on prime time, despite them being a five and eleven team, which you can maybe make an argument for because if uh, when you watch a Giants game, who was the guy you wanted to see play? Old Barkley. Well, before that, <laughs> Bo Del Beckham Jr. So now he's in yeah. the. I think now probably they it's just safe to say they both moved on. Let's have a see of how Odell will do with the Browns with his new quarterback, Baker Mayfield, which that should be a fun offense. I mean, as a Ravens fan, I hate to say it because they play them twice a year. But that would be fun. And as for the Giants, uh, we'll see what they do from there. I mean, obviously, Daniel Jones will eventually play. Uh, Eli Manning, who knows how long he'll play for. But they still have that,
1: that running back in the backfield, Saquon Barkley. Apparently, Eli was in really good shape. They were really impressed with what he did in the off season. He always stays fit. That's yeah. one thing I will say.
2: Definitely give him credit for that, I too. I know he's
1: not a very athletic guy, and he's not a mobile guy, but he's never gotten hurt throughout the course of that's his
2: career. Ve- that's very impressive, though. Some- sometimes that works. You don't need to be a mobile quarterback to have success in the league.
1: Right. He's only missed one start his mm-hmm. whole career yeah. from Week 11, 2004, yeah. till now, 2019. He's mm-hmm. missed one regular season start. And he got benched one game. You're right. He, he wasn't even hurt. Was, yeah, that it, one it was he was got benched for total... uh,
2: Geno Smith.
1: Ugh, it, was, it, was, it was a total McAdoo thing.
2: Uh, I wish I was here when you guys talked about that one. Well, to be fair, <laughs> me
1: and Hank the Tank and Dictor, uh are probably in the minority. We both liked the Odell trade. Mm-hmm. We weren't against it. We thought it was good. We also thought that the Giants instantly got better because he he was just terrible for the team, we thought. Great talent. Like, we'll miss talent for sure. Yeah. But we just thought it was too much of a distraction. Yeah. Speaking of the Giants, them and the Jets both reported to training camp Wednesday, July 24th, along with a bunch of other NFL teams, of course. Um, A couple of transactions we got to bring up on the Giants because they've caught the injury bug quick. Uh, They waived Syracuse long shot tight end Eric Dungy, Mm -hmm. who also played quarterback and signed Fordham alumnus Isaiah Seawright. But the bigger news, Sterling Shepard, already a broken thumb. He's going to miss a couple weeks. Darius Slayton pulled his hamstring. And former Cleveland Brown that they signed Corey Coleman tears his ACL and will not see the field for the entire 2019 NFL campaign.
2: Yeah, that— you with Coleman, you know, I feel for him. This guy was the top-drafted uh, wide receiver in 20, 2017, I believe, 2016-17. And didn't really mesh well with the Browns. Uh, spent uh, time with the Bills and Patriots and then with the Giants. Had, had his moments, I would say, uh, here and there last year. And looked to finally a year with the playbook under his belt. Could have been well. And then tears as ACL and he's out. It's just... Yeah. Coleman's career has been interesting. Like I said, the first receiver taken. Here's some other notable names quickly of wide receivers that were taken after him. Uh, well, Will Fuller for the Texans. Again, not bad, but injuries too. Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, Sterling Shepard, but the big one here, Michael Thomas. Now yes. imagine that. So that's yes, so, from the Saints. Yeah. yeah. So that was so that wide receiver class is a little bit up and down, but Coleman being the first one taken. Career really hasn't panned out that well for him.
1: Right, yeah. Big factor on special teams last year. The Giants are a team that's relatively thin at wide receiver, three injuries already. The Jets, they've missed the playoffs for eight straight years. Sam Darnold wants a change, and so does Adam Gase. He quoted, we'll be playing meaningful games in November and December. What do you think? It's bold to say
2: <laughs> for the for the Jets, for what's been going yeah, on uh, when you're in a division. With the Patriots, that could be a little bit – that could struggle. But maybe they could maybe go for a wild-card spot. I think the one thing that they're concerned about is their wide receivers. I mean, they have Robbie Anderson. They signed Jameson Crowder. But they don't have that big pass-catching target that they're looking for. They have the running back in Le'Veon Bell, but you don't know what he can do after a year off. True. And their tight end, Chris Herden, uh, I think is suspended for the first four games. So I think you need to develop Darnold. You need to have a bigger target, a star target, either at the tight end spot or the wide receiver position. Mm. And then as far as the defense, I think the defensive line is very good. And the secondary, which led by Jamal Adams, is fantastic. It's that middle part with the linebacking
1: core. Avery Williamson.
2: Yeah, but they're both well, C.J. Mosley. I just completely forgot Darren former yeah, former Ravens. So,
1: but I former Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no. So I they're decent all around. I think the wide receiver is the main part. Which will translate um, into your team, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, yeah. What they did in this offseason, they went out. They drafted Marquise Brown, wide yeah. receiver out of Oklahoma. Yeah. A great move. They also drafted Miles Boykin, another receiver out of Notre Dame. Yeah. And they went out. They got Earl Thomas. Yeah. Love that move. Great move. Oh, yeah. Jackson, second year. What I, do you think, Fonz?
2: The thing with uh, the Ravens struggled with receivers last year. They had Crabtree. And they had Jeremy Maclin at one point. They their uh, receiving core was just uh, not good, and so they thought they got the one of the best receivers in Marquise Hollywood Brown, Antonio Brown's cousin, uh, drafted in Miles Boykin. I think that helps Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah, I think he'll develop into a passing quarterback eventually, but uh, I. think think those two receivers will definitely help him out. And they also have Willie Sneed, which is also another good option. They for also them. have Joe Horn's son. Yes, that's Joe right. Joe Horn Jr. Yeah.
1: out of Missouri Western State.
2: Diamond in the, in the rough with that undrafted. Maybe he'll make the roster. The Ravens, player. Yeah, the Ravens have a history, I think, of the most consecutive years with the undrafted player making the roster.
1: That's incredible. All right, Fon. So next week we will talk some more NFL football, but we wanted to bring this up now because the first preseason game is actually next Thursday, August first. Wow! The Denver Broncos will be at the Atlanta Falcons. This is the Hall of Fame game, so I I think it's in a neutral site. It's at
2: Canton. It's at Canton because I think the two teams that are playing they have a Hall of Famer going in. Correct. I believe that's the tradition they do. Like last year was Bears and and Ravens because Ray Lewis and Erlacher right. went in. Yeah. So I think it's a tradition that whoever's in, the top two guys, put them
1: in the game together. And then also, folks, stay tuned next week, our final show of the summer, August 2nd. Then we will take a break for three weeks, and we'll return on August 30th. But stay tuned next week. We'll have some more baseball talk, NFL, and we'll sprinkle in a little NBA if we can. On behalf of Fonz DeFalco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave. The sound of L I U. Good night, everyone.
3: Darling, darling, I'll turn the lights back on now. Watching, watching, as the credits all roll down and crying, crying. You know we're playing to a full house, how no heroes, villains, one to blame While we'll roses fill the stage And the thrill, the thrill is gone Our debut was a masterpiece But in the end, for you and me On this show, it can't go on We used to have it all But now's our curtain call So hold for the applause Oh, 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 oh Wave out to the ground take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at at least we stole the show. 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 At least we stole the show.